0: This is the Mojo, the meaning of life and business podcast, where life and business intersect. Hosted by Jennifer Glass, CEO of Business Growth Strategies International and BGSI Coaching, we are dedicated to your success. Hello and welcome to another episode of Mojo, the meaning of life and and business. On today's program, we're going to be talking about critical and strategic thinking. Now, a lot of you that are listening are probably thinking, if you're thinking, I am thinking pretty well, or I have my own strategic way of doing things, or I can look at things through a critical light. But when it comes to How you're actually thinking what you're doing in your life and in business, it's really important to be looking at what it is that you do through a strategic lens because you never know what is going to be around the corner in terms of what's happening, in terms of what's coming at you, and the actions that you take today, how that's going to impact you tomorrow. Think about dominoes. If you push one domino, It's going to run into the other, into the other, into the other, into the other, and that's exactly what a lot of our actions have a tendency to do, even if they're not intended consequences. So we've got a really great guest on the program today who's going to help us break down strategic and critical thinking. But before we bring Dana on, let me tell you a little bit about Dana. So Dana Sills is originally from Boston, Massachusetts. She moved to Atlanta as a young girl when her father was transferred to Atlanta to design the rail system for what would be later known as MARTA. Dana went to Vanderbilt University with a major in poli-sci, shout out to poli-sci majors, and minored in communications and has a graduate degree from Georgia State University with a concentration in organizational development and leadership, which focuses on bringing out the best in people and companies. She's a former alternative DJ from 91 Rock WRVU Nashville and has been in the payments industry since graduating Vandy. Dana loves creating art and music, which she wishes she had more time for that and performing. Dana, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Jennifer. It's a pleasure to be here and an honor to be asked to participate. So thank you so much for all the opportunity.
0: Absolutely. And thank you for being here. So Let's jump into it. I guess the first thing, though, before we um, jump into strategic and critical thinking, one other thing that uh, we'll just bring out is that we're both women in the payments industry. And there's not so many, actually, believe it or not. I mean, you'd think women make up more than half of the population, but there's very few women, for some reason, in the payment space, which is great to be able to meet fellow women in that space. So, you know, it was great meeting you, what was it, I think, three years, four years ago or so now, when we first spoke uh, the first time. So let me just ask, I mean, you had your poli-sci major, the organizational development and leadership uh, graduate degree, and then you got into the payment side. I'm just curious, I mean, plus your DJ side, um, (laughs) you know, trying to get a breakdown, what brought you to this space before we jump into the thinking, because this all leads to the strategic and critical thinking at the end of the day anyway. So how did you get to where you are today?
1: Oh, it's, it's very interesting that you should ask, because I often say, and a lot of people say that success is not a straight line path. So for some people, um, if, if they're very fortunate, it is. But for me, I I did take a a, a long way about it kind of journey here. Um, Graduating, when I did, I thought with a poli-sci major, I'm going to go into international business law and get a a master's degree in law like so many people with poli-sci majors do. And then a recession happened. And then I realized that the school I graduated from really frowned upon taking their own for Owens Graduate School of Law. They wanted people from not that university. And so I needed a job after school and I fell into payments like a lot of people by sheer accident. Uh, Most people that work in payments industry that pursued it, I find they're usually from an accounting background or an HR background where it's the same work just in a different vertical. But almost everybody else I've met that has gone into payments around my generation fell into it by pure accident. So I was um, looking for a job, broke, and someone was hiring at just a little bit over minimum wage in a recession. And that sounded really wonderful at that point. And that ended up giving me an opportunity to to manage uh, a conversion of State Street Bank with PMT services, which... A million iterations later is now part of Elevon, and um, I, I was there when this tiny company went public, and my last day was right before they moved, and then I ended up moving to Atlanta. So that was one example of just a tiny decision in a world where I would have taken any kind of role just to pay the bills. It happened to be in payments, and I took it seriously, and it became a track. So...
0: And I totally relate about falling into it by accident on the payment space, too. I mean, for me, I was doing marketing consulting work, and I had a client that, um, as I say very often, the used car salespeople have a stereotype about high-pressured sales. And this guy definitely seemed, personality-wise, on paper – Like he was a used car salesperson and everything he had on the website in terms of whatever kind of information that he was doing was all, I'm selling you and I'm selling you hard. And I was referred to him. I still don't remember exactly how I got referred to him, but I was referred to him and I eventually went in to meet with him and I told him, look, everything that you're doing is terrible It's all high-pressured sales, and nobody's going to want to buy if that's the way that you're communicating, because it's all about what's in it for me, not what's in it for you. And so I gave him a proposal to redo everything, give him sales sheets and everything, and he said, you know what? I don't want you working as a consultant. I want to bring you in as my VP sales and marketing. And so that's how I got in the industry. And before that, I thought, sure, I can just go to Visa and MasterCard and get set up as a, you know, to take credit cards. And wow, was I mistaken when I first found out, no, you can't. Just like many other people, like, yeah, sure, I can. Or I can just go to my bank and they'll take care of me. Well, long story short, no, they won't. But anyway, putting that aside, as you look at your path in your journey. You had the DJ, you had the uh, minimum wage that you were dealing with. You had a lot of these other issues that you were going through. And by the way, the pre-law, I was there too. I just knew I wasn't going to be going for an LLM, which is that master's in law. But as you're looking for where you're going and connecting the pieces, there was obviously some sort of domino reaction that led you throughout your career to where you are. And so it's really important as you think about where it was and all of these different pieces, when you're looking at how you got to where you are, I mean, that's a huge testament to where you are and what you do. But I wanna borrow from your organizational development and leadership degree now for the thinking aspect. Let's just define critical and strategic thinking to what we're doing, where we're going, and how we understand that in the business perspective as well as in life. So how would you define
1: that? For me, what makes strategic and, and critical thinking work is being able to keep the logic in place when making decisions. It feels like most people are run based on emotion. They're run based on their heart overriding their mind and that they're not always very time-bound. You look at how the world is, is, is working today and we don't have all the time in the world to make decisions or or we end up in what they call analysis paralysis. And then the moment has gone, that new opportunity has gone to the next person that thought a minimum wage job would be wonderful or whatnot, and then they're set on a track. So I think a lot of it has to do with not being distracted by emotion and being able to take in the right amount of information at the right time and kind of make sure that that you know when to act when to respond when to go It, it almost feels like an internal gut thing but but the fact that so many people are are caught up in their emotions and then they don't understand that inaction is an action on its own so so staying logical not getting flustered by others, and then being able to look at all the pieces on the table as if it were a math puzzle or a science puzzle or whatever class you like best in school. Some people find those topics um, intimidating, but just whatever makes you happy, you have to look at it like that objectively and then see for all of that chaos that you might have out there, there's a constellation in there that, that you're going to follow. And if you're strong, um, you're going to be good at taking sage advice and ignoring unnecessary advice or learning essentially what I would call how to be and how not to be. So a lot of that involves not jumping to conclusions and and falling into peer pressure.
0: So you mentioned taking sage advice. How strongly are mentors, coaches, consultants in that regard, uh, considered in that aspect of taking that advice to make sure whether you're a business coach, a life coach, a relationship coach, I mean, and by the way, replace coach with whatever term you want. But how would that impact somebody's ability to see clear in your mind and the way that you're looking at what you're suggesting?
1: Coaches are invaluable, particularly for people starting off in whatever industry or work that they're doing, because usually they are a little bit older. Using the word sage, the older we all get, if we allow ourselves to, the more we can see ourselves from outside of ourselves. So a coach is going to be, or a mentor is going to be able to tell you, how you come across in a way that you might not be able to see. You might be blinded by being new to a position, trying to learn everything, just trying to get a pat on the back and a good job and a promotion. And a coach is someone who has um, interest in you, but enough detachments that they're not caught up in your world. They're usually not caught up in your line of business directly, your, your um, org chart hierarchy. They can tell you the truth. Um, They can help you figure out how to get through difficult conditions. And then so you can get out of a reactive mode and then go into a proactive mode where they can help you chart your journey to where it's a little bit more elegant than me falling in and out of things, which actually turned into a conscious journey on its own because I stuck with the industry for decades now. So, but, but coaches are, are wonderful in, in being able to guide you. And for people who are intimidated by that, there's nothing more of a compliment than someone that's been there before to be asked. Um, I, I'd like your advice. I'd like your help. It, it truly fills their cup for anybody that is intimidated about reaching out to help, thinking that's going to be a drag for someone. It, it almost never is.
0: Absolutely, and that's one of the things I absolutely love about coaching my clients because it really is, like you're saying, being in a position outside of where they are and being able to think critically about their business because, as they say, the painter's house is always unpainted, right? You're always good for other people, but when it comes to your own business, you are lacking something because... It's your baby. And whether it's your human baby or it's your business, we're all blindsided by faults and aspects in what we do every day because, you know, it's like think about your kids. You see them growing. And if you look over the years, your kids have grown. But can you see from yesterday to today how they grew? No, because you're too close to it. But when the grandparents see the kids, oh my God, you grew so much. And that's the idea in business also, when you've got somebody outside that can look at it and see how you've grown, how things have changed. And that's why having that outside source is great. But one of the other things that I wanted just to point out is that as we're looking at where we are and what we're doing from the perspective of saying, it's not only external to your org chart, There's also internal coaches also and managers, right? Managers are key in being in a position to help grow their team. If I am working in a company and I am getting the help from my manager to know how to be better at my job, right? So many companies rely just on the annual review to tell an employee how they're doing, Why isn't that process a weekly check-in? And I understand you can't go through an hour-and-a-half-long review every week because nothing will happen. But why isn't it a five-minute check-in every week to see what you're doing, where you are, and what you need to get to that next level? As a manager or somebody in leadership, And this is really important, by the way, and this is strategic and critical thinking on the leadership aspect. How do you enhance your own leadership value? By increasing your team. By the value that your team is putting out is going to be even more valuable when you give them the feedback that they need to be looking, how do I do this and get to that successful next point? If you wait until the next annual review or the exit interview to know why somebody is leaving, it's a recipe that doesn't exactly spell success. And the whole point of this program is dedicated to your success. So let's go back to the thinking aspect, Dana. And if we're looking at where we are in terms of next steps, from the strategic and critical thinking. So we start creating some basis for what we're doing. How do we measure though, that strategic and critical thought and how it's moving us forward? Like what kind of milestones, what kind of benchmarks can we see as we're moving forward in that process from what you have seen thus far?
1: So that's a really interesting question because sometimes the success isn't as overt as we'd like to see. Sometimes the company didn't go public or sometimes we didn't win a sales goal or, or whatnot. Sometimes it's an internal growth of just like what you had said, implementing one-on-ones weekly for just a five-minute check-in, and then one with a team, being able to see, is the team more cohesive? I, I love that when I was looking a few years ago, all of a sudden, every big company had said that you need to be able to work well in a matrixed environment it's like, well, what's that? Well, it's just pretty much any environment that has a lot of departments and works internally and externally. Oh, wow, we've got a new word that we have to overuse. So just being able to, when the car's not running down the road, you still have to make sure that it is well oiled, well taken care of. And that involves with being able to make sure that your team has what they need to be able to work well together to work with other departments, to work externally, and that everybody is thinking at a level or two above their current role. And that comes with having a leadership team that is secure, that is not insecure, and that looks at their success based on how much success they can create around them. And by doing that, they fill out their team with leadership that fills in their blind spots. Because that's what I love about your story Because you took a big risk with that one role. You told that fellow the truth. A lot of people want to just hear yes even from people beneath them because there's an insecurity there that that they just wanna be right all the time. And if you challenge, you're probably going to be signing your own pink slip on the way out. So being able to be honest and to be well-rounded and to be able to even play out scenarios if you've got the time to, to be able to, this is why larger companies have disaster recovery plans and other different plans for what would we do if X happens, they need to be able to run scenarios so that when things hit, everybody's aligned and they know how to, um, how to review and how to prevent any future scenarios from happening along this line, mitigating risks
0: and so on, risks and controls? Absolutely. I mean, you look at the emergency services departments, they're running uh, drills all the time. What happens if there's a chemical spill? What happens if there's an oil spill? What happens if there's a missile attack? I mean, all sorts of different things are constantly, depending on which service they are, they're dealing with. And you mentioned also earlier about departments that have a problem sometimes working together. Sales and marketing is very often notoriously um, very much at odds because marketing isn't giving us the leads we want. Sales isn't closing the leads we're giving them. And there's always that internal fighting, and it's finding that mix of what is the best way that both sides are going to be in a position to really be feeling more comfortable about working together. And that's really what ultimately is, I think what you were saying, it's where do we go? How do we find the ways that the departments work together and then face the outside world in a way that is going to be putting out a single face, that it's not just having a whole bunch of different mixed messages and you look at the government and the mixed messages that come out from the government and that's the same way that people see companies when there's mixed messaging coming out where you've got sales saying one thing and leadership saying something else and how do you handle that or when you've got marketing that's kind of running the show and I'm going to pick on Coinbase here with that QR code during the Super Bowl um, I mean, if there was one time when somebody else really should have stepped in and said, Does this really make sense? I mean, for 60 seconds, you just had a QR code bouncing around the screen. And you're wondering, like, what exactly am I missing? And as one newscaster said, until 30 seconds passed, she said, I'm just going to ignore it. After 30 seconds, she finally pulled out her phone and had to just see what this is all about. And $13 $13 million estimated that they spent for that ad. Somebody really should have had a little bit more strategic critical thinking, like what's the value, and then thinking ahead even more because our website crashed. And so for $13 million to have your website crash, it's like, now what? Uh, it's like when you have any of the uh, morning news programs that have the, um, the deals that they have on air, If you are not confirming with your web hosting provider at least a week before that your site is going to be running, it's not going to have any kind of issues with the amount of traffic coming in and things along those lines, again, strategic and critical thinking. What do you need to do to get to that next point? And so when you're looking at a huge influx of traffic, you have to make sure that your servers are going to be in a position to accommodate not to, uh uh-oh, we can't reach the server, because that's the worst thing you can possibly have when you've got that much publicity coming in. And you really want to be thinking about what is it that I can do right now to be making that difference where you go. And so all of these different pieces are really key in having that strategic and critical thinking make a lot more sense for the business. So, Dana, let me ask you, as you look at where your journey has taken you and where your personal ambitions, professional ambitions are moving forward, I want to continue now the next dominoes. Where do you see yourself? How has your journey positioned you? And again, as they say, the past is what made us. The future is where we want to be. And we are the only ones that can dictate the person we're going to be. Um, dictate the person we will be based on the person we want to be. And so I want to ask you, because the name of the show is Mojo, the meaning of life and business. How have your dominoes shaped you and where do you want to go?
1: I've got a few um, blue dominoes. I guess that's what they call the the odd, (laughs) non-black and white one that came in. I know the DJ part um, have been mentioned, the hospitality part, I, I probably failed to mention. The two biggest things that I think shapes my experience to date that weren't my parents or school or whatnot, one was working in hospitality since very young, where as a semi-skilled worker, you could make a lot of money if you're at a nice high-end restaurant serving meals and getting tips that helps pay for some of my schooling. Just that world, starting as a little busboy, you're cleaning up, you're anticipating people's needs, you're checking water levels, you're seeing when plates are completed, you're, you're reading the faces and the body language of other people, and to be able to have, to develop a skill of anticipating others' needs at such a young age and carry that throughout, that's really helps me through any type of position that I've been in, in any type of... Business or in any type of social setting. And then the DJ part, this goes right back to disaster recovery, as well as just expanding your outlook on, wow, I didn't know there was music like this. I now like all sorts of different kinds of music. Wow, well, we now have um, an emergency broadcast system test. And you're in the middle of doing something and you have to go through this test, and the whole time you're the only one in the booth, you're taking care of this test, and people can't see you sweat. You have to be able to run everything, cue up the next song. Back in those days, it wasn't nearly as digital. We had carts, we had records, we had segueing and so on. And just knowing you're in charge, there's no time to panic. You just stay focused and you get through it. Don't let them see you sweat. And then all of a sudden you might introduce someone to their next favorite song, or you might just become their next favorite DJ. I love that about the elegance of when things are live and on air that the show does go on no matter what's going on around you, you. just make it work. And that's something they don't teach you in school. And it's often something they don't teach you when you're working on the disaster recovery plan because if you're mapping it out, right, in the payments industry, I've worked at places that had a wonderful network operating center. We'd give tours. They would share even at our peak we would never use more than 20% of our resources so that if we ever got a flood, we'd be ready. And whenever that peak raises, it's time to get more servers. So always planning ahead, always looking far down the road while not losing sight of the road you're in and on. Um, That's that's a good explanation I would say of the past, the dominoes that got me here. Um, As far as what's in the future, I'm pretty open. I love the fact that I went from a traditional payment world back when the industry was not very mature or sophisticated. And now that world is very mature and sophisticated. It's not the same for sales. It's not as easy. We've got web 2.0. Businesses can look up all that they need to know about your business. And so you have to differentiate and so moving on to working with a payment facilitator, I feel like i have taken a step into the future and that future's got a lot more uh, potential opportunity and uncertainty as cryptocurrencies are are, are making a play. And as people's, this, the way they pay for things, whether in business to business or business to consumer, all of that's evolving. But it is nice to see that the industry is still still somewhat nascent in in the business-to-business space. A lot of businesses that are very successful in the wholesale market are still accepting payments the way they did in the 80s, even if they're using a sophisticated ERP system to run their business.
0: And it's incredible to think about that. I mean, you've got Fortune 100 companies that are still – invoicing and taking payment by check and paying by check and you've got all of these smaller businesses that have gone to the other extreme and everything is electronic i mean i know in my own business i write extremely few checks it is a rarity for me to write checks i used to get around with my accountant last year i gave you check 103 I'm giving you check 104 now because my account was one of those that didn't take credit cards, which was amazing, but putting that aside and you look at where some businesses are. I mean, I've gone to the point where I do a lot more ACH these days than actual credit cards for some clients just because, well, it's cheaper. And it's easier on me because I know the money is there. I don't have other issues that I have to deal with. And I don't have that high ticket issue that is so often there with the processors on a lot of those ACH payments. But when it comes to the payment space, a lot of businesses are still, like you said, stuck in the days when you still went to the bank and actually presented the credit card slot for payment. I mean, I think you and I got in the industry around the same time when the Trans330 was the biggest and best machine out there. And that was, wow, I mean, talk about old tech. I mean, that was really ancient technology. Um, But at the time, it was state of the art. And I actually still use some of those machines or the later iterations for some gift card margins. Um, that have POS machines that can't integrate. But it's an easy way, though, that businesses that are looking at what they're doing in their business can really start increasing what they're doing. So, Dana, let me ask you, for your company, what is the strength behind what you guys do? How can people learn more in terms of what it is that you are doing on a regular basis in the payment space and how they can get more involved
1: with you. Oh that's wonderful. Thank you, Jennifer. Well I work with Via Pay. Um, Vyapay.com is our URL. We are a payments gateway and payment facilitator. What that means is we are strategically positioned to help businesses particularly in the business-to-business, as well as the e-commerce space, to be able to automate, electronify, digitize, their payments acceptance. And what that does is that helps to speed up their cash flow and reduce their overheads, their time, their cost of being able to accept payments. Uh, We have PayNow payment links that we can help them send out, whether through our gateway or through an integration. Most partners that have their own SaaS system can integrate with us in less than a day. We also have full-blown ERP integrations with businesses like Acumatica and NetSuite. And so anybody that would like to is welcome to reach out to me at um, my email. Um, I'm Dana Sills, that's D-S-I-L-L-S at Viapay.com or my phone which i have to look up because i'm not used to calling myself um, my direct line is 678-890-8009 also welcome to hit me up on linkedin um, be glad to connect and see how we can help bring some strategy and critical thought to your processes in how you accept payments today we're glad to start a revolution in your ar department that would hopefully spread to your whole company and bring it more forward and make it more successful.
0: Thank you. And we'll be including your contact information in the show notes. So anyone that wants to be connecting with you, will be able to do that. And we'll give your LinkedIn link and um, ways for you to make sure that people who really want to find out more about Viapay can um, and go from there. So, As we look at wrapping up our show, what is the one key takeaway that you would say our listeners really should be paying attention to from what we spoke about today?
1: Well, there's so many thoughts on this. Uh, If you've got an opportunity to seek advice from someone that you trust, take it. Uh, You'll find in life that a lot of people that are willing to give you advice unsolicited, it's not necessarily the best advice that you're going to get. So it's important that you separate the weak from the chain. When you look around the world with everyone you're working with and how you're working and how your teams are working, you have the opportunity to learn how more you would like to be and what you would like to not emulate constantly given positives and negatives, whether you process them or not as they're happening, everything in your life is going to show you what you want more of and what you want to be less like. So as long as you're you're paying attention and, and making sure that you listen to your own inner compass or voice in your head for what's the right thing to do, that's ultimately going to be your best guide of assessing all the information around you and being able to move forward. So Success, it's, it's something that's it's possible within you. Uh, I, I love the idea of uh, intrinsic happiness, being able to know inside yourself when a job's been well done versus extrinsic where you have to rely on other people to say, good job. In the world we're in today, you might not hear good job much from people who are competing with you or jealous of you. So be sure to know when to tell yourself good job and know who to trust and try to pay it forward by helping others as you go through your, your even or uneven career path. You're going to be a great resource for someone else that isn't going to need to have to hit as many bumps in the roads as you or I might have.
0: Absolutely. I love how you said that. And it's funny. um, You mentioned success a couple of times during the conversation and It just so happens that my keynote address, the success equate to happiness, is really all about looking at success and how success is always that moving target. I think you may have mentioned that earlier. Uh, My success today is based on what I was thinking yesterday or a year or two ago, whereas my success in the future is still something very different. what it is right now. And so it's always that moving target or that thermometer that is looking at where we are right now, like that little red arrow that says you are here, but where you want to go is what we're really trying to figure out in terms of that success. And so if you look at what it is that you're trying to do in success or in your life and business, as it relates to um, your own definition of success, is really going to be key in seeing how do I get to where I want to go? And what metrics, again, do I need to look at to get to that point? And as you look at what you're doing in your own personal journey, you're going to be seeing a lot more of these metrics popping up. It's Think about it this way. If you go buy a car and you say, I want to get a blue car because I don't see a lot of blue cars and it'll be easy for me to find in the parking lot. All of a sudden, you're going to be finding a million blue cars all around you because your brain is more in tune now to seeing blue cars. And so the success metrics that you're looking at and as you're voicing, please voice it. Don't just think it and not actually give it voice. Write it down, tell somebody these are my goals. The more that you do, you're going to start seeing how those goals are going to be coming, how those metrics that you're measuring your goals against are going to be happening and coming to you a lot quicker, a lot easier, because you're actually giving voice to it. So you're starting to think strategically in that regard as you're moving forward. And again, strategic critical thinking as it relates to your own success. And as we continue moving down that path, there's a lot more that you are going to now be doing to get to that point of success to where you want to go and how you are going to be getting there. And so on that note, Dana, thank you again for being my guest on today's program. It was wonderful having a chance to speak with you and having you share all about your journey, your path, your company, and your experience with our listeners.
1: Oh, it was an absolute pleasure, Jennifer. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And I do gauge my success based on the success that I can help create with others. So if any of the information from today helps somebody, then then I've achieved a goal.
0: Thank you. And on that note, this has been another episode of Mojo, the meaning of life and business. And until next time, here's to your success. This has been another episode of Mojo, the meaning of life and business podcast. If you like what you heard, please consider leaving us a review, liking us, or reaching out to us. You can contact us at BGSI Coaching dot com and let us know what you think. Thanks so much again for listening.